Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you, dear listeners. You have stumbled across a podcast unlike any other, created and produced during a global pandemic, and hosted by a millennial. I know, a millennial with a podcast. <laughs> crazy. Totally crazy! Welcome to Floaters. My name is Sophia, and I'm coming to you live from Studio Wardrobe. And、uh, as I speak, we're experiencing the first rainfall we've had in weeks. Weird for England, but also very predictable that I would talk about the weather. Hmm. And it's not even the horrible kind of rain. See, I'm still talking about it. It's not even the horrible kind of rain, though. It's not the one that comes at you sideways. And you know, sort of pelts you in between the eyes, and there's no wind. So while it's raining quite a lot right now, it feels soft. It's proper ASMR rain, quite calming actually. I'd record it for you, but、um, I'm in the wardrobe, and once I'm in, it takes me quite a while to get out. So、um, you have to take my word for it on that one. Now, 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 now. On to the episode. I am very pleased to introduce this episode because this is the first time we've had two back-to-back episodes with real-life friends. Real-life friends. It's exciting. It's an exciting time. So Sarah from episode twenty-five introduced us to my guest today via plugging her epic food Instagram. Yes, folks. Today we are hearing from the person behind the Ethiopian foodie. The magnificent Kiki Abe. We talked about a lot of things,、uh, but just to give you a quick synopsis, we talked about the pre- pressures you get from school、uh, when you're growing up, and、uh, being a second-generation immigrant, and mim- mimicking our parents' accents, and、um, and of course we talked about food. We talked about food, which always makes me very, very, very happy. The first question I always ask people is, "Where did you grow up?" So I was born in central London, and I grew up. Okay, I grew up in Paddington till I was about six years old. So I spent a few years of primary school there,、um, and then、um, we moved to Hertfordshire, so to basically the outskirts of London, and that's where. I've、um, spent my,、uh, the rest of my childhood. I spent in Hertfordshire, but I,、um, I can't like I can and I can't remember that time when I was in central London. It's one of those ones where until like I start talking about it, I always feel like in my head I've always grown up where I am now.、Um, but then the more I talk, think about like my primary school life and things like that, I can really see like the changes of when I moved out、um, here and also. I spent quite a lot of my、um, summers traveling back home to Ethiopia. So it was like school. Just spent my school life here, and then summer would come, and、um, every other year, or sometimes consecutive years, we would go back to Ethiopia for the summer holidays to see our family, and then come back obviously before school started.、Mm. And that's great that you were able to go back to Ethiopia, like、um, every summer or every holiday almost. And、yeah. are both of your parents Ethiopian? Yeah, so they're both yeah they're both Ethiopian. 
Oh, cool. Okay. So, and, and you must have like a really strong family connection then with your, with family from, from Ethiopia to, to be going back so often. That, that's such a great, yeah. great thing. Yeah. It's quite interesting actually, because, because of both my parents were born in Ethiopia and they um, came to the UK in the ni- uh, beginning of the nineties. Um, and so obviously for them, like for them, they, are still culturally Ethiopian like a lot of the things that I grew up in even though I was in London there's still very much like Ethiopian culture for me but then going back to Ethiopia it's it's a completely it was a completely different experience like when I was growing up I think I felt like I fit in more but the more I grew up the more I realized that I felt like I didn't necessarily fit in when I went back when we went back home but then I also didn't necessarily fit in here so um and so as we grew up, I actually started not liking going home, going back to Ethiopia as much just because I just felt like I didn't like belong. Um, that was probably like maybe 12, 13 when I started to feel more like that. Um, and at the same time, we had a lot of family who were also leaving, like who were traveling. So I, a couple of my cousins had moved um, to America and I had like uh, some of my uncles who were traveling around like in other countries so I feel like as when they were um, spreading out more and I didn't have like um the family that I probably got to know the most weren't in the country anymore so I think that probably contributed to the fact that I didn't feel as homely as it used to. Mm. And so would it be fair to say like as you were going into your teenage years perhaps were you mm. at that point more like culturally aligning with the British culture then in that case? It is kind of a mix. I think that was kind of where it was heading because I when I didn't when I went back I realized if I'm not fitting in here then I must it must just be because this is like it's I'm just not identifying with the culture as, as much. But um and I do think I definitely did try and fit in more it hit like um in London in the schools that I went to. Um because I went to secondary school in Watford. Um, but I think it was also it was also a bit of a struggle then because I was trying to I guess assimilate to the people that I was surrounded by. But I also kind of it wasn't also things. There were a lot of things that I just didn't identify with or I just couldn't identify with because of the fact that I like uh, I still grew up in my household a very different culture. There were still so many things that some of my other friends would be doing or would have done or will know that I wouldn't because of that. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say that as I got into my teens, I tried to, I, I felt like I'm more connected with Brit, like the British culture than I did um, back home when I went back to Ethiopia. Mm. And what kind of schools did you go, end up going to? So, I mean, I know you went from like Paddington, Hertfordshire and then um, mm. Watford, um, but what were the schools like when you were going through them? Were they quite sort of mixed or did you find, were some of them quite white or whiter than others? Mm. Or- yeah, um, I so when I grew up, when I was in my first primary school in Central, from what I can remember, because I am still friends, like I've still got uh, one family friend that I met from there. But it was much, it was a bit more diverse when I was there. But then coming out to the outskirts, it was like a very white school. Like there was just me and one other girl who's of color. Like there wasn't really anyone else. Um, and that probably, that definitely had like a very big impact, I think, on me growing up in primary school because um, essentially me and the other girl were kind of lumped together by everyone because they were like, you look alike. So you like, of course you're going to be friends and everyone else just kind of assumes that. So then like, that's what, that's what would happen. Like I never really interacted much with other kids. And I think 
at the time I was like, I don't know what's wrong. Maybe I just don't a lot. Like maybe I just don't connect well with these people. Like, um, and kind of, I think put that on more on myself rather than realizing like, it's not, it wasn't my fault. Um, and then moving on to secondary school, when I went to secondary school in Watford, it was a bit, it was, um, it was more diverse, but I still would say there weren't really many people, like many black people, like it became more diverse. There were a lot more Asian students. There still weren't a lot of more black people. And I, like, I think, again, like I still was trying to find a way to fit in. And I think people were much more, um, not necessarily, educated isn't the word, but like I, I, fit, I felt more comfortable around the people in secondary school. But I'm always, I think part of that was just because I'd learned to, assimilate to the culture and part of it was also there were people that I felt much more comfortable around um then but it wasn't until uni that I really kind of like broke it down and realized like okay you were just you were essentially just kind of being on the surface trying to like fit in and then I got to uni and I was like oh this isn't that's not who I was like that's not the person I am Mm. well let's talk about uni then so like uh, what did you go on to study and uh yeah what was your experience like at university yeah, so I studied biology, so say, um, and yeah, so when I first got, there, when I applied, I can't even really remember about how I felt about university, but I remember being quite excited. A lot of people were really nervous and I was so excited to just get out of secondary school. I was like, I really feel like I need to be around other people. Um, so yeah, when I got to uni, uh, one of my friends, Sarah, was the first person I met on the first day. And I'm, I'm really glad I met her because I feel like she kind of had a similar, um, we had like, we, she very much like we had really good conversations in which like I would talk more about my upbringing and the kind of person that I was. And I was kind of through those conversations, I started to realise how much I'd kind of changed myself in order to fit the people that I was around. Um, and so it was, it's been like, it's, I'm still kind of figuring out the things I I like very small things like I think at uni I very, it was very much just me being able to realize that I'd been doing that my whole life but also things like the way the way I dressed the way I did my hair like the entire way through school um, through secondary school when I start doing my hair myself I would straighten it the whole time just because one person made one comment and then I was like I have to straighten it and then by the time I got to university, I damaged my hair so much from it that then I was like, okay, I have to cut it. And then I'm just going to have to start looking after my, uh, looking after it again. And it's just like small things that I did that I didn't realize I was doing until they all built up. And then I look back at myself then and I'm just like, I'm a completely different person. Um, and I think uni definitely played a big part, mostly because of the people, uh, the people that I met and also the more the independence that I had. Um, because I wasn't just kind of stuck in one space. Like when I was at home, I very much was surrounded by the same people every day. I had to kind of fit in because there was no other way out. Whereas as soon as I got to university, I felt like I had so much more, so many more options to kind of explore the things that I liked, maybe the things I wanted to do. Um, and also just pick and choose who my friends were in a way that I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't before. Like I could say, well, you're not, that you, you don't, um, I don't feel comfortable around you, so I don't have to be friends with you. So I'm going to walk up like I'm not going to be friends with you. Whereas in secondary school, it's very much like uh, I have to be friends with this, the, everyone here because like these are the people I see every day. <laughs> yeah. 
it's like yeah very much sort of uh yeah you're all in it together and that's 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 yeah. that until you guys all go off to uni I completely relate to that um yeah and uh but it's so great that like at uni you kind of found um a different rhythm for yourself and you found yeah. um someone like Sarah and many other friends I'm sure as well who helped you on this journey I mean was it the first time mm. that you lived away from home as well yeah yeah so I yeah I'd always lived at home and I think um that was it was quite a big thing because because I when I moved out and I was like I'm so excited to move that's gonna be really exciting then I actually moved out I was like oh there's so many things I have to do um for myself but it also made me I think living with other people made me realize how different my upbringing was to pretty much everyone else like when I got to uni I was in a flat with mostly it was just with everyone else in the flat was white um and things that they would talk about or cook or do and just so many things I was like this is just nothing like how I grew up um which I guess is like interesting because that's like some a side of uh a side that I didn't see when I was at school because I obviously I would come home and school was pretty much the only time I'd see people um and I would stay at people's houses but that was another thing like with my family I couldn't like my parents were strict about me going and staying at other people's um at my friends houses so I never really got to see what other people's, how other people's families worked until I got to university and I was like, this is so different. Um, but I appreciate a lot the fact that my parents kind of, I still had, like I had that connection to like my, that I had like, a very different upbringing. Cause I think it, I don't know, for me it worked. Um, a lot of it worked. Like I still feel like I now, I feel much more comfortable in my, like in my Ethiopian identity, like I can go home and I feel, I feel like I belong not in, necessarily the same way that my parents feel but I still feel like I'm just like I just feel like I'm a, I'm different but I'm still that's like still my home mm, you've still got that connection to yeah. the culture that's really nice yeah. to hear actually I mean because I've had a sort of I guess slightly opposite experience in which with all the moves and stuff that we've done every time we've moved to d- a different place it was you know um especially because we were I mean Sarah mentioned this the other day, the word expats <laughs> is quite, you know, it's a tricky one, but we were expats, yeah. I suppose, quote unquote. And, you know, you get advised on like how to dress, how not to stand out, how to yeah. sort of try and fit in as best as possible. And so very often, I guess my identity would just sort of go with the... Merge. Yeah, yeah, yeah merge. And um, yeah. which is, uh, yeah, I guess not the best thing, especially during your pubescent years when you're still trying yeah. to figure out who you are. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and like what clothes are cool and cool over yeah. here but not cool at yeah. school and it's oh. that's the whole thing in itself <laughs> yeah and it's stressful and I'd be yeah, I don't know how you would have done it because I was I struggled and I went to the same school and even by the end I was like I, st- I, st- I don't I still don't really know and it's hard because obviously you spend so much time like trying to fit in with other people then when you're like out of it you're just kind of like oh but what do I like because there were so many things that I knew that I liked because other people liked and then I came out and I was like I don't like this like do do I like this and yeah it's kind of what you have to do a reset but it's very hard I think when you get past those teen years to do a reset because it's I I don't know those are like I feel like for me though I was very impressionable back then um so when I went when I came to university and then came out of university even now I'm still like with the cooking with my cooking blog and things like that that's I'm I'm still like with a lot of things that I'm doing I'm just like this is so weird because when I would have gone back to 
when I was a teenager, I would never have been interested in things like this. And I'm just like, I wish I was, I wish I knew back then, but I don't like, I could, I could never have known. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's, it's all, it's all about the journey. I'm sure that's a song. Yeah. I think I've heard that yeah. song. Skinny living, I think. Skinny living, it's, yeah, called. it's all about yeah. the journey. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. And, and so that's, from uni, that's taking you on to your job now. And um, has that directly fed in, like your degree, fed into what you do now? Um, not, not really in the end. So I think, I think for me also, um, when I was picking what I was going to study at uni, obviously came off of what I was picking for A-levels. And because I was the first born, my parents were very much like much more on me about what I was studying. So they were like, well, you have to make sure you study sciences and you're definitely going to study maths. And I was like, yes, okay, I'll study maths. And so I studied maths, biology, chemistry and history at A-level. And then I dropped chemistry because I hated it. (laughs) Um, And so then I was like, out of my degrees, I was like, well, I enjoy biology. I'll um, I'll do biology. But I wasn't ever... 100% 100% on what I was going to go for a job but I just knew I enjoyed it um but then I was as, as I was studying it, I was like I don't think I can do a job in like in specifically in this so I did a master's um and I did a master's in finance and management I think that was more of like a master's because I feel like I wanted something that would give me some more general skills but also gave me another year to think what do you want to do and then I came out of that year and I was like I still don't know what to do (laughs) um so I applied to do um an internship where I'm working now and it was a three-month internship with a job at the end um and I remember just looking at and being like I think I was like I have to just get go like jump into it and get some like kind of experience and see where it goes. So yeah, I did the internship, um, and then I got we got offered the job at the end. So I took the job, and I wouldn't say it doesn't necessarily like it doesn't really fit in with what I studied uh, studied at university. But I feel like it still uses a lot of the skills that I developed anyway from my degree, which is mm. good. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's, that's um, yeah. why I always ask as well because like that's sometimes they don't always you know one, yeah. one doesn't always fit into the other. Like you never know where life's going to take you. Exactly, which I think is quite. Um, it's really I think it's really important because I think at uni there was I I mean I'd always kind of had a lot of pressure on when it came to work, but I think at uni I definitely put pressure on myself to like. I was like, I have to know what I want to do for the next five years or whatever. And I have to, because other people know, um, because other people be like, yeah, I really want to do this or yeah, I want to do that. And then I just kind of realized that obviously everybody has things that they'd like to do and they'll say that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they know that that's where they're going to be. Um, but yeah, I just remember kind of panicking because I was like, why do I not know what I want to do? And I, was, I just, I, I was like, I need to just take it like day by day rather than like trying to anticipate the future because I wasn't like in my head I was like I, I'm not if I can't even focus on what I'm doing now then I'm not going to get to the to any point that I want in the future um so yeah it's quite <laughs> so even now I find myself panicking like when my friends um if I'm someone I work with or one of my friends is like yeah I got a new job and I'm like oh my god I need to get another job I need to move <laughs> to another job no, but why do you need to move to another job you you you, you just you can slow down like that you don't have to jump from do- job to job but I don't know there's just it's very hard to not compare yourself to every like to people that you're around people that you work with and like people that you went through uni with especially because I feel like if we started from the same place and we should end up in the same place if I think that 
And if they're suddenly doing something, I'm like, I have to do it, even if it's not something I want to do. And um, I always have to sit myself down and talk myself out of it because I'm like, but you know, that's, you know, you wouldn't be happy doing that. So why are you worrying about doing something that you're not going to be happy doing? It's so easy to go down that rabbit hole. I, I have the same exact thing. And especially what's crazy is the pandemic has heightened that for me. Oh, so much. You know, people are out there. Some people are getting other jobs and people are doing other things. And that makes me think, oh shit, maybe I should like get, I don't know, try harder. Am I not trying enough? Like maybe I'm going for the wrong thing. And it's mad because it, a, it is a pandemic and B, like, maybe that's just not for me. Maybe, like, maybe I should yeah. just calm down. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's like, I think it's like, the, it came, kind of came with the isolation um, of, like, for me, when I came back from uni and then I came um, to live at home, which is like, I'm great. Like, I'm so thankful that I can live at home, but it also came with the fact that I, like a lot of my friends moved out and I was like, well, I now have to move out. And then, um but when obviously when the pandemic happened and then you're kind of more isolated from seeing people when they make life choices that you maybe weren't talking to them about and all of a sudden it happens you're just kind of like right okay and I'm still here and there's nothing wrong with being where you're at but in your head you can't it's so hard not to compare yourself and when you can't verbally talk about it with other people there's no one there to be to tell you like stop it you're you're being silly like you've worked so hard to get where you're at Mm. and you're happy there you don't need to rush because you there's no one's holding you to a time limit mm. so you don't have to rush but in my head I'm, I'm still like but you know you need to be on the next job and you need to be here and you need to have more on your cv and you need to do this and it's mm. just I think because not many people talk about it everyone's pa- everyone like it has an internal panic And then I think that's why people end up in places that they don't want to be in because they're they're panicking that they need to get to a point, but then they realise like however many years later that they've panicked to work to a place where they're still not happy. Mm, Yeah, I wonder wonder where that sort of pressure comes from because, I mean, I know it's like, it must be sort of the more surface level things, which is like, you know, you see someone on Facebook congratulating themselves on getting a job or, you know, having a baby or whatever. I mean, sorry, that's cruel. It's a lovely thing to have a baby. (laughs) No, I know exactly what you mean. You know what I mean? So you see that sort of stuff. But then like, um, I don't know about for you, but for me at school, I was lucky enough that I didn't get enough. I didn't get like pressure as such from my parents. Also probably because we had physical distance for a really long time. Mm. Um, So the pressure was mainly from my school and my school Mm. only cared about the grades. And it was one of those kind of schools that if you got a B or below, it wasn't good Mm. enough. So I was always like, I was always teetering on the B, C line. Yeah, I got one A at GCSE, maybe two, but like it was a lot of pressure. And so I think that's where it comes from for me. But I don't know if your school was sort of the same. Mm. It's weird. Like, uh, so there wasn't necessarily um, pressure from the school in terms of to get like really high grades, but it was more if you didn't, if you weren't going to be going to like Oxford or Cambridge, then they wouldn't, like, they just wouldn't pay that much attention, I guess you. So when we were applying to universities, they would say um, in like assemblies, they would just be like, so if you're applying to Oxford and Cambridge, come along to this thing. We're going to talk to you how to like write this and how to do that and how to do that. And I was just like, but, and like I went to talk to one of my teachers and they were like, oh, but I'm really st- like, I'm quite busy with these students who are applying to Oxbridge. So I'll see if I can make time. And it just, at that point, I just stopped asking for help because 
they just essentially just wanted those those students who are applying there to just push them up and then everyone else will just if they get in they get in it's fine mm-hmm. um but yeah no there wasn't I did I probably got more pressure from specific teachers um than I did um like the general school like some teachers I think I just I had very up and down experiences with teachers purely because um I think I I think with um well as I got older um, because I was still trying, struggling to fit in. So when I started secondary school, I re- like I, I was very much, I was like all over the place. I didn't really know the person I was. I didn't know the, the like my personality was kind of all over the place. Um, and so I kind of mellowed out as like years eight, year nine. Um, but I still had, I don't, I think I still had issues with teachers. I never like, as some teachers, it was just a given. Everyone has like teachers that they don't like, but my math teacher, um, in a level, was one of those teachers who was like, if you were doing well, she would praise you and it would be great. But the moment you didn't, she would rip you apart. So in one class, I remember just like mentioning to the person I was sitting next to, I just asked, just say the most general question. It wasn't even like, I didn't know it. I was just like, oh, have you like, what's this part? And she overheard me. And then she just ripped into me for about 10 minutes, just being like, I don't even expect to see you here for your A2 year. Like, yeah. And I was just there like, um, okay <laughs> and then Excuse when I came like when I got me. there yeah um so I think like I definitely had um much more pressure from specific teachers than I did have from my school but also at the same time didn't time didn't necessarily have the same support mm-hmm. so um I just think my school was very much it, it was in it was at the it was an awkward like stage where they obviously ha- they didn't maybe they, I don't know if it's that they didn't have the resources to support everyone in the same level or they just were like we're just going to push these people up and then everyone else can kind of figure it on their own <laughs> which it felt more like that yeah <laughs> yeah that that sounds that part of it sounds very familiar to me as well the sort of yeah if you're doing Oxbridge like yay yeah. let's help you out yeah. but you want to do something to do with the arts no 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 we're not gonna yeah help. we're no. not gonna help with that at yeah. all no. um, well, yeah but um, yes. <laughs> I wonder if we could, we'll go back in time a bit more and mm. um, and uh, talk a bit more about um, your parents and uh, yeah. them coming to the UK. I mean, what do you know about their their journey to move to the UK? So I feel like <laughs> every time they um, that we talk about it, I feel like their stories always change. But from what I know is my dad came um, a few years before my mum and they were quite young I think when they came, I always forget. Um, I want to say they were t- uh, t- early twenties. It must have been early twenties, maybe. Yeah. Um, so for them, I think it was it was it was a definitely a struggle. And I think it kind of it definitely for me is a um, explains a lot about why there was there was a lot of pressure. They put a lot of pressure on me when I was at school because when my parents came, they obviously had to like they were working from the moment that they came here and my mum when she came from she came I think she finished university and then pre- I think came a few, year, a few years after university maybe a year um and then start I went straight into studying again for ACCA and to become so they're both accountants and they both just went straight into studying so they've been studying and then straight into working um their whole like as soon as they came here and that, so whenever my mum I would talk to my mum about like what I want to do and she she will say what do you want to do in your future and I, and I say I don't know she's like but that's the you need to know but because for her she didn't like they didn't have a choice to not know they when they came here they had to support themselves in any way and that was what they were going to do and they've always had like a goal to work towards 
but not necessarily because they had like they did they had a, any other choice um mm. and it was probably quite hard for them so when they moved here um they I think they lived with some family friend like some uh, friends I think because my dad's uncle had moved before he did so they stayed with him and then they moved um I think they stayed with him and then they moved into a, a bed sit for a while. And then I think they were there until I was born. And then I, when they, we were there for a, a year, maybe. And then they moved to a flat in Paddington. Um, and I feel like for them, they've been in some ways they've been, um, they've had like, a, they would think, I, I don't even want to call it luck because I think it's they worked really hard to get to where they are, to where they are now. Um, but also I think they both, especially like my mom has probably struggled a lot with, um, the cultural differences growing up, like coming from Ethiopia, coming here, like accent, the way, the way they speak. Um, and I think that has, that, that has definitely like a, a lot of those things definitely impacted like the way that they raised me. Um, and I probably, when I was much younger would kind of like almost reject that kind of side of myself because I didn't identify with it maybe the way I spoke people would always always comment uh, when my when I went to my mom's um office for work experience they would they would just come and they'd be like your daughter's so well spoken like shocked I don't really know what else they expected me to sound like if they knew I was born here um and then they would but then like and then I, I when I was much younger I used to like make fun of the way that my parents spoke purely because I didn't speak that way and then as I grew up I was like why like why am I doing that because other and it was mostly because other children were doing that so I would do that to be like similar to them and then the more I grew up I was like that's so mean like why would I ever do that to my own parents mm. um but yeah for them I think uh, their experience has definitely been it could have but, I mean, obviously it always could have been better, but I think they've worked really hard to get to where they are now to offer, like, give me the life choices that I've had now. Mm, I mean, it's no easy feat coming to, like, immigrating to any country and then mm. having to start a life from scratch. Like, yeah. Um, and and even when you're, you know, the culture shock alone is enough to yeah. deal with, let alone having to, or going straight into studying and then having a job, yeah. then starting your family. Like there's a lot of added pressure on there. Um, and I, I wonder then like with, I mean, when you were saying how you, you would mimic your, the way your parents mm. speak and things, it made me think about how I would, sometimes I still do, I kind of feel bad now, mimic the way my <laughs> mum speaks. She's got this, um, I never thought she had an accent before because I don't know if you had that, but like, I thought yes, she just spoke yeah. normally. Like that's my mum, yeah. right? Um, but then as I got older, someone was like, yeah, I can tell your mum's German. She's got this accent. And I was like, does she? And then I'd start yeah. picking up on it and start taking the piss out of her. And then, I, and now yeah. I'm like, oh, that was, <laughs> that was, it's not good it's not yeah. good is it <laughs> but yeah no but it was the same like I didn't really notice it and then other people because I also would say things the same way so when I was much younger I would say um salmon instead of salmon and iron instead of iron and people would be like why do you say it that way and I'm like isn't that how you say it? isn't that how everyone says it they'd be like no it's like this and then when I learned that and they and my parents still said it, I'd be like no that's not how you say it like you say it this way um and yeah, and I look back now and I'm like, I look back now mostly because I'm just like, in my head, um, I didn't really notice any difference. I didn't notice if I sound, I don't notice my own accent, obviously, but 
then like now I know that my sister has a different accent to me, which is weird because we went to the same school, like we lived in the same area. Um, she went, well, she went to, a, she went to a better primary school than I did. And then went to the same secondary school I did, but we sound very different when people hear us talk, which is really, really weird. And obviously my parents sound different. So I've become accustomed to hearing different accents, but when I was much younger um, and I was pretty much surrounded only by the same accent at school, it was only then like when people other people started picking up on it more that I started to pick up on it and then I was like mm. and now I'm like well everyone I'm now surrounded by people with so many different accents that I don't I don't generally notice them as much anymore mm. so I guess that probably is why I didn't make fun of them as much after but I remember I used to and my parents were like you don't really really like you don't you're too young yet to realize like the, your accent isn't like the accents that you're hearing are not the only accents in the world because <laughs> it would just basically be my parents yeah and then when I go back to Ethiopia they'd all they'd have very similar accents obviously to my obviously to my parents mm. um and then when we go to other countries I wouldn't I think I guess I wouldn't necessarily notice the um their accents as much as I did my parents um because mm-hmm. obviously I lived with them whereas now yeah it's just part of who they are and I don't really notice it unless other people pick up on it um Mm. but yeah (laughs) I'm I'm curious to know like what's I mean if you could describe it like what's the difference between yours and your sister's accent I uh, it's I think I guess people say that I sound more posh um but I I really I I cannot for my life think about where that would have come from because if we, we yeah we've grown up in the exact same place if more like I grew up in central London for like six years of my life and I don't like that's very I guess that's so much younger that's the part where I'm learning to speak but I, I if I wish you could hear her because honestly like even when I <laughs> so, so much like when my friends hear they'll be like your sister sounds so different and I, I don't know what it is because it's not like she sounds anything like my parents she hasn't ha- she hasn't got that it's just I guess she just sounds well, we both sound like we're from London, but I guess I I sound more posh. I don't know if that's just, maybe it's probably influenced a lot by maybe the people that I grew up around in secondary school. Um, yeah, it's it's really weird. I, it's really weird how you pick up accents because I don't, I, can, I just can't tell, like neither of us can figure out why we speak differently. No, that's really interesting. Yeah, I wonder why that is. But so cool that yeah. like both you guys like ended up in sort of in different sort of, uh, yeah, different, different yeah. rhythms, as it were. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but when you went back to uh, Ethiopia and um, I mean, I'm sure obviously you haven't been in the last year, I imagine, or it's been quite yeah. hard to go. Um, were you then conscious of your Britishness or like your British accent yeah. while you were there? Yeah. yeah. So um I think that probably contributed a bit as to why I didn't like properly learn the language because I was learning when I was much, much younger. And I think the more that we went there, um, I guess it's, I guess it's the same, like reversed for my parents. Like when I went there, people would always pick apart, like pick apart my accent. And also I think people would always stare at me because I was dressed differently. And I I always felt like they could tell that I was, I wasn't born there and I hadn't lived there. I don't know what it was, but people would just stare and I'm like, you know that I, I don't know how you know, but you know that I um, was, I wasn't born here and I haven't lived here. Um, but yeah, people, whenever I would try and speak Amharic, which is our, the language that my parents speak, people would um, always pick apart how I would say it. And so the more that they picked apart how I would say it, the less I wanted to speak it. Um, so then I just was, I stopped learning it and like, I can't, I can understand a bit like a lot of when my parents talk, but I don't really speak the language, which is something like I kind of regret, um, 
but it was it it was at the time I didn't really know how else to deal with it because every time I tried people would kind of just mock me for it um and they weren't doing it unless a lot of them because a lot of it was my own family like our own extended family and they weren't doing it unless to be mean it was just they I sounded different to them and that's the same as what I did to my parents um but yeah for me it definitely it was just more picking at the fact that I knew that I then I just didn't belong there as much and so the more we started when we were going back and the older I got the more I hated going back because I felt really uncomfortable every time I go there and I just felt like I didn't feel comfortable around everyone because I just I just felt like I didn't fit in Mm. um and also I have cousins like I had two cousins who were also born I think yeah born in London um but they like when they learned they learned the language. Um, they one of them was older than me, and they um, he learned the language. And w- so when I whenever we both went back, and then people would always constantly compare compare us, and then that pushed me even more to not want to do it because oh, I just felt no. I was like I should have learned it, and now I, and now I'm like I'm just not good enough to do it. And mm. so then I would speak less and less. Um, which I look back, I really wish it hadn't happened that way, but. Mm. I, it's something it's just I guess it's a part like a lot of people go through when you go back home and you realize like that there is that big cultural difference for you when you don't have anyone else who's been in the same position because I didn't have anyone else who was in the same position when I was younger who I could talk to about it then therefore I just it felt like I was the only one going through it even mm. though I've seen like thousands of people experience that when they're younger um so yeah, like I'm now. I like I want to go back. I can I enjoy going back, but that's only because I've had time to actually understand like why I felt the way I felt and that it's normal to feel that way. Yeah, especially like during your developmental years, it does feel quite isolating in a way because yeah, you, yeah, like you say, it feels like you're the only one who's going through this, and it makes it really yeah. hard to connect. And a lot of what you just said reminded me of a conversation I had with um, Noor Rushdie, who's on. I think she was on episode 13 of this podcast, but she said the same thing about going back to Egypt and speaking Arabic and, or trying to. And she said about how, you know, people would make a joke about how she'd speak and try and communicate. And while they're trying to be helpful in their own way, it wasn't very helpful. (laughs) So you become (laughs) really self-conscious about it. Mm. And, um, and yeah, it just means it takes a bit more time, I guess, to connect in that sort of way exactly. and communicate. And mm. I mean, now I, I found a way with my cousins now in terms of my, my German, because I'm then on a similar sort of um, wavelength, I guess, to you in terms of like, yeah, I was <laughs> I was put off learning it and I, I tried less and less. And But now with my cousins, they speak or no, they understand more English than they speak. And I speak, I understand more German than I speak so like they speak to me in German I speak to them in English and it's all good it all works out so um yeah yeah, we we found a way around it we found Found a a balance (laughs) yeah Yeah. um and I was gonna ask as well because we must talk about your (laughs) blog your (laughs) delicious blog um I wonder what led you to flexing your culinary skills well it's really weird um going back over it because is I used to be a really really picky eater so when I was much younger there were so many things I didn't like didn't like eggs didn't like mushrooms didn't like peppers like anything that I don't know why a lot of the things I didn't like I just I think I I, I can never really figure out why I didn't like a lot of the foods that I liked um that I now like like I cook all the time um and then I got to university and 
I I was like I hadn't I could cook like literally the most basic things like pasta and that was really it and maybe like and I'd have noodles um but then like one of some of my, like Sarah for example a lot of my friends who and who was like great at cooking would cook like all these different foods and then I would start branching out more with what they cooked um and then in like uh when I hit like third to fourth year of uni um and I was like I need to start getting fitter again because obviously like everyone goes to uni at uni and then I start to feel really sluggish and I was like right I need to like get I need to get back on it before work life starts um and so I started cooking more for myself and it was just basic stuff then and I, I enjoy cooking but I still feel like I didn't I, I still think I viewed it more as a chore than anything else like I'd always kind of viewed it as something I had to do um and then when lockdown started and then I started trying to get more into like I guess my creative side and I kind of have always had a creative side like when I was younger um I mean I've always loved music music is something that I, like I've always loved I, I sing all the time probably annoying everyone um and like reading and things like that and so I was like well now I have time in a way that I didn't feel like I had before to like really just just do stuff that I had before that's just relaxing so at the beginning of lockdown I was I was um I started like knitting um crocheting things like that and then as uh and then I just started like one day I was like maybe I want to try making bread so I tried tried started to try um making bread and the first time I did it I was like okay this turned out really good and I was like let me just try cooking a few other things and I started cooking a few other things I just realized how like how much I just liked being in the kitchen on my own with like a pot, listening to a podcast and just cooking. And then the more I did that and the more I was just like experimenting with other foods and I was like, Oh my God, this food is so good. I was like, maybe I just, just never had it this good before. Um, I don't know. It's like a thing. I re- it's like a break for me, even though I, before I used to view it as a chore for me, it's like a break. So when I'm working, I'll just look forward to the end of working so I can like bake something or cook something. And then um when I was I would send like photos to my friends and they'll be like maybe you can just post it and I was like maybe I'll start posting it somewhere and kind of I don't know it felt like um I guess a portfolio or a log of the things that I was doing and then because I I really enjoy it and I was like maybe I would want to do something along the lines of food in the future but I wasn't sure and I still am not sure necessarily what I want to do it like what in what capacity I want to do it in but I kind of wanted to give myself I guess like a, a way to show my work experience like and have it written down but also I just enjoy sharing it because I feel like I've met a lot of people through that Instagram um and I've also it's also encouraged me more to branch out in the foods that I make so in the like the cuisines I try um and also I think it's been really good in helping me connect more with my roots like with when I make Ethiopian food and post it and people are like oh, I want to know more and I'm like yes and then I, I just I don't know it for me I feel like I'm giving Ethiopian food like a a stage almost. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's like pretty much why I started it. I mean, that must make your parents so proud as well, especially when you're showcasing yeah. Ethiopian recipes. I mean, are they taking credit yeah. for that at the moment? Or like, well, my mum's on? the one. Like my mum's the one that um, has taught me or teaches me how to make all of it. Like I still can't make um, injera, which is like the flatbread that you eat with it. Like my mum makes that still and she I, like she helps me and I'll help her but it's a long process and I think it's something that you just learn over time that's what I tell myself <laughs> um but the other things like yeah she'll um, teach me I very much learn like that 
from um, my mom. But in terms of just general cooking and stuff, I feel like both of my parents were really surprised because they were like, oh, I just never would have thought you'd ever cook. And I was like, neither did I. <laughs> I mean, yeah, especially coming from like, yeah, being a fussy eater to where you are now. I mean, it must be a, such yeah. a lovely surprise for them. Yeah, my parent, my mum was like, I'm just so proud and I'm just so happy that you're eating, like you're not like ordering food. And I'm like, yes, yeah, so am I. <laughs> But now I just spend a lot of money on like ingredients on what I want to make. And I mean, it's fine because I enjoy it. But sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, I need to stop. Or like I'll, I, I went to this um, new Asian market that opened up um, in Aldgate. And I just went crazy when I was in there. I was like, there's so many things I want to make. And I wanted to make sure I had like the authentic as possible ingredients. I didn't want to just like, I don't know, whenever I make something that's not um British food and then I, I like to go to an actual market for it rather than get like the Tesco version of it um and yeah and then I brought it all back and my mum was like why did you buy so much stuff and I'm like because there's so many things I want to make <laughs> and she's like make sure you use it and I was like I will I will <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it's also like one way during lockdown especially of like introducing yourself to different cultures and countries and and different traditions as well well you know we're not able to travel but we can still try and make the food as best as we can at home so um Mm, which I think is amazing I mean I've tried I did try and make bread for a bit didn't go so well but then I really got into making um uh like sort of um what do you call it I suppose Mediterranean food slash Greek kind of oh like my gosh, yes. making falafels, my own hummus. Yeah. No one told me that making your own hummus is better than any other hummus that you'll ever buy. Yeah. Like, and making your own tzatziki. Oh my God, yes. yes. It's so much better than store-bought. Like as soon as, it's like guac though. I feel like until you make those things yourself and make it how you like it, you don't realise how bad some of the shop the shop-bought stuff is. Right. Yeah. And you can just totally make it your own. So I've been sort of like getting into that a little bit, a little bit. And oh, I did try and make pasta one time, but then I don't know how people do it. It took me so long. I Okay. Right. A bit of a tangent, but I put the dough in the fridge. It told me to put the dough in the fridge. So I did that. And then all of a sudden, um, when I took it out, it was so hard to roll out because I don't have a pasta machine. And then I looked up the pasta machine things and they cost like, I don't know, like a hundred pounds or something. And then I literally, the day after from rolling out all the pasta, my arms were aching. I was like, yeah. damn, this is hard work. Pasta is the one thing that I want to make, but I just don't think I, I won't be able to make it until I got have like access to a pasta machine because it. No, I just like I watch videos on it and people were like, You're, you've got, it'll be a good workout for your arms. And I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. um, the coast I made, I made noodles. I made um, Biang Biang noodles. So they were so, they were so easy to make. Um, in my head, I thought they were going to be so hard, but they were so easy and so satisfying. It tasted amazing. I was like, oh, I can see why people make these things from scratch, like compared to buying it store-bought. It's just mm-hmm. so much more satisfying. I mean, that's so exciting for you that you're sort of discovering this this part of yourself that really enjoys yeah. these create making these creations and yeah and who knows where it's going to take you. But I'm glad that exactly. for now that you're really enjoying it and um, yeah, yeah you're just taking it in your stride. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. It's just I um, and also it's a really good thing with um, the dots because that's when I like downloaded. That's kind of where I found like 
more opportunities to branch out a bit to still stick with food so I wrote an article for this um magazine like this small magazine zine I can't remember um just like on like nostalgia about one of the foods on one of the food like the foods from my home so I wrote about um one of the meals for it uh, I wrote about it so I wrote an article just uh like 500 words just talking about like what the food meant to me how like what memories it brought up and things like that um and then I just added a recipe as well and like writing that I was like oh this is so like this is like it's I think it was I really enjoyed it because there wasn't pressure in terms of like is it being something I'm submitting for work it was just something that I wanted to do on the side um which is quite quite like what I quite like about it right now Mm, it must be quite freeing in a sense just to be able to do that for fun yeah and just like kind of do it in my own time just like oh yeah like um they'll be like yeah like if you want to do this and just submit it whenever you're ready and I'm like yep I'll do that and then I can do it in my own time which is yeah it's really good Oh, nice. Well, yeah, I'm so pleased that, yeah, you found this um, and it's going, it's just going well. It's going well <laughs> for you. Um, yeah. And I'll round off our conversation today by asking you um, if there's anything you would like to plug or promote today. I guess I can always promote my Instagram, my the Instagram blog. Um, it's at the, the .ethiopian.foodie um, on Instagram. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know where it's going to, take me I don't know how long I'll continue it for because as lockdown has been lifting I've been like oh my god I have gonna have enough time I was like I don't want to put pressure on myself when I cook I'll cook and post if I don't I don't it's fine because I just always have to remember like I started it for me and no one else like this is um something that I was just interested in but yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah yeah and on Instagram do you put do you put the recipes underneath the posts or do you have like a separate blog for that oh no I put the recipes on the posts so Mm. just because it's easier that way I haven't like put I haven't started a separate blog or anything yet mostly because I was like I just want to I find Instagram and I find doing that quite like I don't know how people would run like multiple uh, platforms at once because like even just doing this Instagram I'm like this is a lot like I recently just I literally a few days ago just did a giveaway for the first time and like with all the comments and stuff and I was just like oh this is so much more how do people do these but with like thousands of people, this is like so stressful. Um, but you know, yeah, I, so far I just post, yeah, the recipes and anything like that in the, in the like description underneath the photo. That is awesome. And I'll be sure to check out some of those recipes actually. <laughs> yes. <for sure. laughs> Be sure to follow the Ethiopian foodie account on Insta if you're ever in need of a recipe or a healthy dose of food porn. I mean, in the middle of prepping this episode, I wanted to double check her IG handle and I legit just spent the past half hour scrolling through the pics. I didn't like any because I didn't want to seem like a weirdo from liking them from ages ago. But it all looks gorgeous. Go check it out. And uh, while you're checking that out, uh, why not um, also leave us a like, rate, review, comment and subscribe on all the things. Give the podcast five stars, if you please. And um, if you want to keep up to date with all things floaters, you could also follow us on Instagram. We are at floaters underscore podcast. And if you fancy it, you can drop us an email, floaterspod at gmail.com. I'm here for all your queries, questions and quibbles. 
and there's nothing left to say other than thanks again to Kiki for chatting with me um, thanks to Adora for your help with graphics thanks Aral for sound help as always and thank you to you dear listener I hope you're keeping well until next time bye bye